Good evening. All right, I'm gonna introduce Kelly Shattuck. He's our regional director for youth dynamics in this area. And he's got some wonderful news to share with you about a little bit about the history of youth dynamics, as well as his involvement. And then um, Holly and I will come up and talk. So please welcome Kelly Shattuck. Thank you. I'm starting a timer here, Bo, so you know I'm gonna, that doesn't mean I'll finish on time. You never give a, a pastor the microphone without some kind of a time limit. I'm gonna do a quick commercial here because uh, if I don't, I'll forget about it and all the excitement of sharing what I'm gonna share with you. One of the things that we strongly believe in as Christians is prayer, right? Good, love the response. I have uh, been using for years this book called The Valley of Vision. It's a set of Puritan prayers that I will pull out occasionally and use in my quiet time to align my heart with the Lord if I, just as the Lord leads. And it's been a, a refreshing and fresh um, resource for my quiet time and uh, my time in studying the Word and being with the Lord. Uh, the other announcement or commercial is on the back table there. There's some stuff about YD. There are flyers. There's some stickers. You're welcome to take the flyers and the stickers. The hats are for demo purposes. If you'd like to buy one, give us your information. I think we sell them for $15 each. We have different colors. Just a commercial. If you want to do that, that's fine. I don't, I don't mind if you don't want to buy the hat. But I want to say thank you to you all for letting us step in tonight and tomorrow morning as well for taking your service time and share, sharing with you about youth dynamics. Uh, it really means a lot to us. When Bo told me, we've been meeting weekly for some time now, and he said, they're gonna give us the whole service from you know the message, we got a, a full hour. I said, you mean we're gonna go till eight o'clock tonight? He said, yeah, no problem. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Everybody's panicking, wait, the roast is gonna burn, you know, that's, no. Uh, but thank you for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. The Lord has been gracious to us in many ways. I want to introduce my wife, Linda, who's here. Stand up so they can see you. She's really tall. You won't miss her. She is uh, vertically, vertically challenged is what we call it, not short. <laughs> That's right. More grounded. Short. Uh, we have four children, and all of those four children are married and have kids. We have 12 grandkids. We got married when we were 10, so we started young. That's why. Uh, that's why we can have so many grandkids and look as young as we do. Actually, I, I just turned 63 a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's hard to believe I'm in that almost retired demographic. I'm not ready to, to retire. But let me share with you a little bit about youth dynamics. How many of you are familiar with youth dynamics? Or you've been involved with it? Or, or Okay, great. Wonderful. For those of you who haven't, Youth Dynamics was founded about 50 years ago by the name of a guy called Paul Evans. Now, the story that I have heard, and I'm sticking with it because I think it's a great story. If it's not true, don't correct me, okay? Anybody who knows the truth. Paul Evans was not a believer. He was selling life insurance, went into a church, and told the pastor, I just need 20 minutes of your time to present my life insurance program to you. And the pastor said, you get 10, and then I get 10 to share with you my life insurance plan. And he led him to Christ. And as a result, Paul went out and started sharing his faith with his high school buddies and, and neighbor kids. And uh, eventually, I don't know exactly when, moved into a town or into Anacortes where he lived across the street from a high school 
and started meeting with kids, sharing Christ with those kids, and that's how Youth Dynamics was born. It was from his heart of reaching kids who need to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Um, so he uh, carried that flame and shared that for uh, 49, just short of 49 years. Passed away a year ago, August, and uh, we've been blessed to be a part of this organization. Let me tell you a little bit about Youth Dynamics, then I'll come back to me, because Youth Dynamics is really the focus. We focus on kids between the ages of 11 and 24, okay? Just, that's a broad span, but that's what we, and we're shooting to communicate with kids, build relationships with kids who do not know Christ. That's our target. So you don't have to worry about Youth Dynamics coming into Emmett and saying, oh, we're gonna steal kids from Calvary Chapel, we're gonna steal kids from the Nazarene Church. That's not our desire. We want to feed kids from the community into Calvary Chapel, into the Nazarene Church, into the churches that are reaching uh, kids for Christ. We do that through outdoor adventure trips, retreats. We do it through leadership training, all kinds of fun outdoor things. Ski and Wyatt and I have skied together many, many times the last uh, few weeks. In order to build relationships with these kids so that we earn the right and have the, the kind of... Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Equity. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted in the lives of these kids to say, you know what? You need to think about a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and consider life from that perspective and introduce them to Christ and then funnel them into a local church where they can continue their walk with Christ and growth in their relationship with him. We focus on rural communities. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Youth Dynamics, our desire, our sweet spot ministry really is towns like Emmett, Horseshoe Bend, Cascade, Idaho City, uh, Garden Valley. Those are the five towns that I've, I've been given the, uh, the calling by the Lord and the responsibility through Youth Dynamics to develop communities in those areas. And the point, the, the key behind that is the adventure side. Those of you who are familiar with youth dynamics know about the adventures, know about the rafting and the rock climbing and the skiing and all the outdoor stuff, right? Communities, where, which is where Bo and Holly come into play, uh, are the, it's the other arm of youth dynamics that, that spends the time with the kids between those events and continues to build that relationship with them and introduce them to Christ and share with them the truths of the word. So there's a, a, a hand in glove kind of a relationship I'm not going to go into the statistics on why youth. How many of you came to know Christ before you were 18 or 20 years of age? Okay, look around, please. Keep your hands up and look around. That's enough reason to, to do youth ministry, right? That's why. That's why youth ministry. Uh, youth Dynamics Communities works with adventures, hand and glove, as I mentioned, to invite and challenge youth into a lifelong adventure with Christ and his church. And I know a lot of people see these call them parachurch ministries. I don't like that term. I like to call them apostolic ministries, which is, don't ask me to define that because it would take too long. But essentially, an arm of the church that goes out and does some of the things that most local churches aren't doing. I don't think that's true of Calvary from what I've learned from Bo and Holly. So I, I thank you for the work that you're doing in this community. But to reach out into the community, reach kids that churches typically do not and bring them into the, uh, the local body. Now, I've been aware of youth dynamics since 1988. I was a youth pastor in Oak Harbor, Washington on Whidbey Island, 
Paul Spence, who is now the vice president of adventures with Youth Dynamics, came into town and started a community's ministry there. Paul and I met, and we've been friends ever since. And about three years ago, Paul called up and said, hey, we're coming down. We used to live in, in Arizona. Called up and said, hey, Faye and I are coming down to Sedona for a, a vacation weekend. We'd love to spend some time with you. As a result, I'm standing before you tonight with Youth Dynamics. Uh, when he told me about the, the position, I said, uh, we spent the whole weekend together talking about this. And I said, well, uh, what does it pay at one point? And he said, oh, it's a support raising position. I said, <clears throat> wrong answer. Been there, done that. We did 13 years of uh, youth ministry in Europe and had to do support raising. And it was not a great experience for us. But I said to him, Linda and I both said, if the Lord wants us to do this, he will change our hearts towards support raising, and he will give us the freedom to leave our kids and grandkids in the area that, where we lived, and sure enough, he did. So my role as regional director in Idaho is to equip, uh, to recruit, train, mentor, equip, uh, support, encourage people like Bo and Holly. We have another couple coming to Horseshoe Bend, Ben and Allison Jackson, uh, who are currently raising support. Bo and Holly are volunteers. They're doing this on their free time uh, in the midst of raising kids and running their own businesses or having work and church ministry and everything else that they're doing. They're doing the area director, what we call them, uh, for Emmett. So I'll get to the prayer needs in just a moment. But Ben and Allison are raising support to come to Horseshoe Bend to be there full time. And, and they started raising support middle of December. They're at 75% today. Uh, so they are heavy, heavy uh, in, in, uh, in that work and doing a great job. So what do we need? Here's the bottom line. You're, why are you here? What do you want? Everybody who comes to the church and is presenting a ministry wants something, right? Here's my first thing and my second thing and my third thing. The first is prayer, okay? The second is prayer. And the third is prayer. And I mean that in all seriousness. I cannot tell you what God has done, and Bo and Holly can, uh, and Linda and Alicia and Wyatt and anybody else who's been involved in youth dynamics, especially in the last year, I cannot tell you the things that God has done and the roads that he's paved in the last 18 months for youth dynamics. It's scary. Uh, but wonderful. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, no man can do me a truer kindness in this life than to pray for me. If you will pray for me, I will be forever in debt to you because you will hold up my hands as Aaron and Hur held up the hands of Moses when they battled the Amalekites to win that battle you hold up the hands of Bo and Holly and Linda and me and Ben and Allison and Paul and Faye and all these other youth dynamics workers. It is a hard work, and it is a rewarding work, and it is an exciting work. So we need prayer for youth dynamics to have an impact on the lives of students here in Emmett, for Bo and Holly as they head that. Do you think Satan is excited about this thing going on in youth dynamics in Emmett? Absolutely not. And he's going to do everything he can between the two of them, between them and their kids, between them and kids in the area, to stir that up and make that not happen. We need to step behind them and pray for them and hold their hands up for that battle for them to 
win the battle as the Lord leads them. So that's the first thing is prayer. The second thing is volunteers. If you want to work, if you want to serve, if you want to pray, we want you on the team, and we will welcome you. So you've got contact information up here. There are business cards on the back. If you're interested in any facet of this, email us. We'll get you in touch with the right people and get you signed up to work uh, alongside of us with the, the ministry. I want to give you a challenge. Uh, this is a challenge that I took on years ago. I started it, and then when we moved from Europe back to the States, something happened, and I lost it, and then coming back in contact with Paul and Faye Spence at, at Youth Dynamics, I kicked it back into gear. Every day at 10.02 a.m., and every night, every day except Sunday at 10.02 because of worship service, and every night at 9.37 p.m., my alarm goes off on my phone, and the alarm says this, beseech the Lord of the harvest. Because Luke 10, 2 and Matthew 9, 37 both read, the harvest is plentiful. It's ready to be reaped. It's ready to be gathered and brought in. There are souls waiting out there to hear somebody say, did you know that Jesus came and became a man and died on the cross for you and rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life, forgiveness of sins and hope and joy and everything else that you've ever desired in life? They're all waiting. Jesus said the harvest was plentiful 2,000 years ago. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. If you would pray that every day, 10.02 a.m. and 9.37 p.m., we would be eternally grateful, not only for Youth Dynamics, but for the local church, for every other organization that's out there reaching souls for Christ. Lift that up. So if, if you want to do that and join us in that, we would welcome that. So that's, the, that's one aspect of volunteer that you could do. And, of course, the third thing, so prayer, volunteers, and the third thing is always resources or money and or money. Resources could be stuff. It could be time. If the Lord has blessed you with financial resources, material goods, gifts, or talents, or anything that you could use to assist the kingdom work of reaching young people for Jesus Christ here in Emmett through Youth Dynamics, We'd be honored if you would give sacrificially of that time, that treasure, those talents uh, to reach these kids. Uh, financially, we need to raise a total of $10,000 for each of these five towns that we're working on. We've already raised about 2500 for each one of them, so we're looking at another 7500 If anybody, I'm just throwing out numbers there. I'm trusting the Lord to do his thing, and he does. Um, we want to serve this community by reaching out to young people, introducing them to Jesus Christ, and inviting them into the local church. Can you think of anything better to do with our teens these days? Can you think of a place that would give them greater hope than to walk into a room and hear people singing like we did tonight? There is no other name. There is no other person like the Lord Jesus Christ where you'll find hope and peace and, and joy, forgiveness of sin. It's the greatest, isn't it? Amen? Amen? Come on, say it with vigor. Amen? Amen? There we go. All right. So I, I'm done. 15 minutes and 11 seconds. I can't believe it's been that long. I could stand here all night talking, but I'm going to give Bo uh, the microphone now. And thank you for praying for us. Thank you for, again for letting us be here. Thanks, Kelly. So um, 
it's important, I think, for you guys to know who it is that's leading the ministry in, in your community, right? Uh, so Holly and I wanted to take a little bit of time just to introduce ourselves, and I'm going to go ahead and pass Holly the microphone first so she can kind of tell you where her heart is, um, how she how she got interested in serving with youth, and, um, and let her kind of share that story a little bit. Hello, my name is Holly, and I was born and raised in church, and my mom was always in uh, the choir and led the children's choir, so I was really active in the church. But it wasn't until I was involved with youth group and going to church camp that I had that understanding and deeper connection with Christ, and it just was forever life-changing. And I was really lucky to be um, chosen as one of two CITs, counselor and trainings, when I was just 18 years old. And it just sent me on a path to work with youth. I was heavily involved with um, uh, youth ministries, with youth groups, and um, every summer involved with the church camps. And I just love seeing young lives transformed and them get what I got, too. It was just such a gift to have that deeper connection with Christ. And I was blessed to... Um, after having kids go back to when we were at Dickey Lake Bible Camp, be a church counselor again, and I forgot how much I love that. I just get so energized being around youth, and I just love seeing that seed being planted, and maybe if they even had a connection with Christ, have that um, just be... Um, like a deeper understanding. It just, I can't explain it, but it's just like I can feel the energy of the Holy Spirit. It just, it, it revives me. I'm, I'm a extrovert, and I just get energized by youth and just being around them and, and talking about God and, and praising him. And I always, you know, when you've been to church camp, you get the spiritual high, and you're, you're recharged, and you go back down from the mountain, and then that flame starts to slowly flicker. And I was like, why can't I feel that way all the time? What's going on? And, they, you know, there's a saying that when you're in the mountains, you're closer to God. Well, that might be true. Um, you know, you don't have the you don't have the, the distractions of city and the things that we have here up in the mountains. I finally just figured it out in my mid-20s. I said, you know, at church camp, you're starting your day in prayer. We're singing for the, the sunrise service. We eat, you know, we eat when we have fun and stuff like that. But it's like we're singing and we're praising and we're hearing the message. And it's all day long, nonstop connection with God. I'm like... You know, if I upped what I did, if I made that a priority instead of doing these other things that are distracting to me, maybe I can just keep that going and keep that fire going. And so that's one of the things that I love about working with youth and youth dynamics is I've seen that that fire um, get lit in my son and other other youth. And it just, I I think it's, we need more groups like that to reach maybe students, or sorry, I work at a school, um, youth that haven't had that exposure yet, and then, you know, being outdoors without the distractions of what we have here in the, in the city, not that this is city, but um, I just, I want to continue that, and I just um, pray that it just is blessed, and it just keeps going. Thanks, Holly. For those of you who have know me, yeah, thank you, yeah. 
if you know me, you'll know that Holly is my better half, for sure. <laughs> and I'm so glad to have her involved with the ministry. It was important to me to, you know, to have my family involved in this, to have my wife involved in this. Um, and it's important, I think, to have, you know, a, another female, a, a woman involved, too, because we do, we reach out to boys and girls. And so we want to make sure that we have opportunities for girls to be able to communicate and talk and feel safe uh, in youth dynamics. And so um, as far as my entry into youth dynamics, we, um, we, came, we kind of stumbled across youth dynamics. We didn't really know. We were moving to the community. We were fairly new in the community. And we were looking for something for my son to do. He did baseball. Um, didn't really kind of feel like that was for him. And, and so we just felt like there has to be something there. And, and then we saw a flyer uh, for Youth Dynamics. And I thought, well, that could be fun, you know, fun adventures and stuff. And so uh, we, we encouraged my son to do that. And he's going to be questioned a little bit about this, so I won't, you know, steal all of his thunder yet. Um, but it was one of these things where I could tell that it was making a difference in his life. And, you know, we pastored a small church in Clarkston, Washington. I was a pastor up there. And, and has anybody ever been to Lewiston or Clarkston? Very similar type of communities, wouldn't you say, to Emmett? And, you know, we, um, <laughs> I pastored a church where the average age was probably 68. Um, and there weren't a lot of youth that were coming. There was one set of grandparents that were raising their kids, their, their grandkids. And there was another lady there whose nephew would occasionally come to church. And uh, I went to the board, and I said, we're going to start a youth group. And they said, with what? <laughs> and I, they said, well, there's like two kids that come here that are youth group age. And I said, then we'll start it with two kids. And they looked at me like I had grown four heads. And they said, what are you, how are you going to start a youth group with two kids? And I said, we'll have the two kids come, and we'll share Christ with them, and we'll have some fun, and we'll do some stuff. And hopefully, it'll grow if God blesses it. And they looked at us like we were crazy. And that first week, we had two kids show up. And the second week, we had four kids show up. By the, five, by the fourth or fifth week, we had 12 to 13 kids showing up every single week. And <laughs> I will never forget this. Three of those kids said, can we please just do this every night? Because these kids were craving that love. These kids were craving somebody to give them attention. They were craving the word of God, and they had no other opportunity to have that. Now, YD, Youth Dynamics, Youth Dynamics Adventures, YD Communities, whatever you want to call it, we do reach into the rural communities, but we're reaching those kids who don't have that opportunity to come to know Christ. They may not ever get another opportunity to come to know Christ. This is the ministry in the community where those kids whose parents don't come to church, whose families don't come to church, maybe they don't come, they're not part of a youth group, where they have an opportunity to come to Christ in a very non-threatening way. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I'm one of those people, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, everybody's going to bow their heads and we're all going to close our eyes and nobody's going to look and if you want to accept Christ, raise your hand. I grew up in a church where when you came to Christ, it was a big deal, man. Like, there was 300 people in the church, and, and they'd say, if you want to come to Christ today, we challenge you to come on up here and accept Jesus Christ. And man, people would come up, and some of them would be shaking, and some of them would be dancing, but there was always a big welcome into the kingdom of heaven. And we want to give these kids a welcome into the kingdom of heaven that they would never get on their own. You can tell it means a lot to me. I was raised in church. 
I was brought up in a Christian home in a first Christian church with a really good Christian family. Good, good church family. And I got lost. And I didn't have anybody to pull me back in. And I was nearly lost. I mean, I, like I died, you know, and had to come back and get a second chance. Literally died. Not like, you know, suffered an emotional death or a spiritual death. I suffered an emotional, spiritual, physical death. And God gave me an opportunity to come back and, and to be something and to be somebody. And what I want to be is nothing what I thought I wanted to be before. I wanted to be a rock star, honestly. I used to have hair. <laughs> I had long hair, and I sang, and I could sing in a band, and I, you know, I wanted to be an entertainer. I wanted it to all be about me. And what we want to do is it's, it's not about me anymore. We want to reach out to those kids who have nobody or maybe don't have a lot of friends. Maybe they don't have a real solid home life. And we need your kids, those of you who do have kids that come to church, we need them to be a part of it too because they can support those kids. They can show those kids that there's another life available for them. There's a better way available for them. And if they've already come to Christ, they can share at their level how they came to Christ. And if we don't do it, who will? Right? So again, we don't want to steal people from youth groups. That's not what we want to do. We'd love for kids who, you know, are available on Wednesday nights to come and join us. And that's what we'll do. And we're going to get together. I'll tell you what we're going to do. For those of you who are wondering, what's, what's this going to look like? Wednesday nights, kids are going to show up, and we're going to, like, play some games. Get some of those wiggles out. You know, get the wiggles out. Yeah. And then we're going to do a little devotional, and then we're going to have some snacks, and we're going to play some games. They're going to have some fun. They're going to have fun, and they're going to come to know Christ in a way that, that maybe they wouldn't have an opportunity to do. And guess what? Everybody who comes is going to have to share. So every kid that comes is going to have to be a part of the ministry. Every kid that comes is going to have to participate. And if we have to hold their hand through it, that's what we'll do. And so when does it start? These are important questions, right, Kelly? So we are going to start on Wednesday, April 7th. So that is our official launch. So if you can be praying for Wednesday, April 7th, that God would bless this ministry starting Wednesday, April 7th, we need blessing now too i mean all the way along as we're building up to this but wednesday april 7th and you know what it's so wonderful the community has already been just amazing with this and you guys know dave beck right he has that hebrews coffee shop that's where we're going to be gathering on wednesday nights we'll be gathering there there may be wednesdays where we go to the park and play capture the flag or you know some frisbee golf or something like that but we're going to be meeting at dave's place at hebrews coffee shop in downtown emmett on Wednesday nights from 6 to 8. That's what we're going to try. We're going to try 6 to 8. I know a lot of parents, it's hard for them to get home, get dinner, and get their kids off somewhere. If we need to, you know, maybe move that back a little bit, we'll try that. But I want kids to have a Wednesday night thing where they have that over the hump. Get them over the hump for the week. You know, give them something to look forward to in the middle of the week, and give them an opportunity to to gather with some friends and to come to know and to be a little bit closer to Christ. For those of you who have heard me speak before, you have heard me talk about Hosea 6.6. Jesus, during his three-year ministry, quoted Hosea 6.6 directly three times. In the New Testament, Jesus is quoted, quotes Hosea 6.6 three times. And I wanted to read it to you tonight, and I read it from the, the New Living Translation. 
I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. What that means is God doesn't care about anything else that we do as long as we are in a relationship with him. If we're not in a relationship with him, then anything else that we do in our lives is meaningless. We have to come to know God. And if we can't teach these kids how to come to know God, then who's going to do it? You know, and we're not going to be successful 100% of the time. I would love to say that we're going to have a 100% success rate of kids going down to the river and getting baptized. That's probably not going to happen. But if we can save a couple of kids in this community, then we're doing what God told us to do. And that's what I want. I want when I go to meet my father in heaven for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't care if I'm a rock star anymore. I don't care if I'm a famous comedian anymore. I don't care if I'm a movie star anymore. I don't care about any of that stuff. All I care about is my father saying, well done, and serving him. And so that's my heart for this ministry. We also have a big five-acre property out on the west end of town. We'll probably have kids out there doing fun stuff. And so it's important for you to get to know who you guys are going to be entrusting your kids with. So with that, we have a couple of uh, people that we would like to do some questions with this evening. We have one of them who is a student who happens to be my son, so I'm not going to ask him questions. Kelly's going to ask him questions. And then we have somebody else who has a very unique perspective in coming to Youth Dynamics. So would uh, Alicia and, and Wyatt come on up here? And Kelly, come on up. All right, Kelly, here. You go ahead and, and start asking Wyatt questions first here. All right, why, Wyatt. There you go. Tell us how you got involved in Youth Dynamics, aside from your dad going, you're going, <laughs> and what it was that uh, made you want to go back. Well, um, I don't really remember. I kind of had him tell me how I kind of got to know YD is because he saw a flyer and he was like, hey, we should do that. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And the reason I came back is because I really don't do anything at home besides my chores occasionally. Um, Honesty. <laughs> it's the best policy. Um, anyways, so I came back because it was really fun. The people are great at YD. Um, I do definitely learn a lot, and I also just, you know, it's really fun. That's <laughs> and what was the, I'm thinking of one story that I've heard you tell and I've heard your dad tell. Can you share that with us, the kind of a turning point in your relationship with the Lord? The rafting. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of, it was really cool. So it was a week-long rafting trip, except for the weekend. So it was like a five-day rafting trip. And um, I was just kind of really timid and wasn't very sure of myself when I went. But uh, along the way, there were some experiences, uh, painful experiences, scary experiences, but also just kind of heartfelt experiences, and at the end of it, I really was kind of surprised. So my dad, I called him up, and I was like, "Hey, dad, uh, I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back." And he's like, "What do you mean? Uh, yeah, I'm coming back. Uh, we're we're leaving right now." I'm like, "All right, well." So I get off the phone with him, and I get home, and so uh, during the Salmon River trip, the week long trip, my foot was sunburnt, so I had to explain that to him. Um, and then my dad said that I sounded different over the phone. 
he said I sounded more confident. He sounded. He said I sounded more just kind of sure of myself, and said I sounded like my voice is deeper. So yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> Bo, would you kind of fill in the color on that because I think that is a great yeah. story. So uh, he he left. We we kind of you know we lovingly called him Mushmouth before he left because his mouth teenager kind of like this and just blah blah blah. And, uh, you know, was real timid and, you know, in sports and that kind of stuff. And so he calls and says, hey, Dad, we're in Grangeville or wherever they were. We're in Grangeville. We're on our way home. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> I mean, it didn't even sound like the same kid. And, and he goes, this is Wyatt. I said, are you sure? <laughs> and, and so I said, all right, well, we'll look forward to seeing you, bud. And then I saw Holly, you know, a little bit later. She was coming home from work. And I said, you're not going to believe this. He sounds like a completely different kid. And she's like, what? And I was like, just wait. And so then he called. I think you guys were a little bit closer. You were in McCall or Cascade or something. And he calls up, and he's on the Bluetooth, and Holly and I are in the car together. He's like, okay, we're in, we're in McCall. We should be home in just a couple hours. And Holly goes, who is that? <laughs> so, you know, it definitely made a big difference. And, and I'm going to tell another little story later, too, but I wanted to just expand on that. That's, okay. I'm, yeah. So, so, you know, most kids come to, most people come to Youth Dynamics as students, right? I mean, we're looking for, you know, that 11 to 24-year-olds. I, I didn't realize it was that broad. I figured, you know, 11 to 18 or something. But we do have a lot of uh, younger people that are just participating in the ministry. So Alicia came to Youth Dynamics in a little different way. Why don't you tell everybody how you uh, got introduced to Youth Dynamics and how you started coming? Yeah, so I started coming because my, si my younger siblings were part of the homeschool kind of group and they were introduced to whitewater rafting and they came home with all these great stories and I was like, wow, you can't have fun without me. Like, that's not fair. So I went whitewater rafting. Um, they'd actually take adults out on, you know, guest paddling days sometimes and just kind of outreach to the community in that way. And so I went a couple times and I was blown away with, the people, like Wyatt was saying, and I was just really excited about what they were doing, and kind of just one thing led to another, and it's just been a really neat opportunity to be able to volunteer with them. That's great. Yeah. And so, would you mind, Wyatt's 14, for those of you who don't know, would you mind telling everybody how old you were when you started coming to YD? Um, it was like two years ago, 25. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so why did you decide to stick around and keep coming back and, and volunteer and, and that kind of stuff? Um, well, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, they talk about the Lord and they're authentic. They're, I feel like the people that run this ministry are very much um, doing it from a place of just gratitude to the Lord and just wanting to share what they have in the Lord. And it's not forced in any way. It's just very much let's just have a conversation and allowing space for people to interact. It's been beautiful. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you both real quick before you, you know, before we wrap it up here, would you say that Youth Dynamics has helped, uh, helped you increase your uh, relationship with the Lord? Immensely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've seen so many people living their walk out in one place. And for me, it's been very encouraging to actually see what it looks like as a Christian to live in a way that's glorifying to the Lord. And it's just beautiful because they allow you to be real. 
and um, just, um, yeah, it's just been really good in that way. Um, could, you, could you kind of repeat the question? Yeah, would, how, what, do you think that your involvement with Youth Dynamics has helped deepen your relationship with God, and, and how do you think that has manifested itself? Um, it kind of makes me feel a little happier, you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is, but after getting to know uh, Christ a little bit more, I just kind of felt, felt better. I felt uh, as if my life was ch changing, it, even though nothing was really going on. It was just, it was a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Let's, can we give these guys a round of applause, please? So as Kelly said, you know, we, we definitely, um, we need prayer. We need financial support. We need material support. And if you feel like this is something that you'd like to be involved with or be a part of, um, this is our contact information. You can't really see. I, I guess I shouldn't have done blue <laughs> for the email addresses. But, uh, you know, you can also come to us afterwards. But, you know, take a picture of that. Make sure you've got our contact information if this is something that you think you'd like to be involved in. And um, before we get into tonight's message, let's just pray. Father, we just we thank you for your for your encouragement in this ministry. We Lord, Lord, we thank you for your creation of this ministry. And we pray, Lord, that um, as it has touched lives over the last 50 years, that it will continue to touch lives, make a difference in the lives of, of youth and young adults. And Lord, we know that, uh, you know, scripture tells us that if we raise up children in the ways of, of the Lord, that they will not forget it, that they won't lose it. And we pray, Lord, that that this ministry would be something that could plant that seed and really sow a harvest for the, for the kingdom. Lord, we just thank you for this uh, church that we get to gather in. We thank you for this place, this wonderful state we get to live in where we can still be free to gather and worship in your name. And Lord, we just pray for healing for our country. We pray for your protection, your discernment, your wisdom, your guidance. And we, Lord, we just pray that more people would open their eyes to you more people would open their hearts to you, that you would soften the hardened hearts of those, Lord, who are just polluting this country right now. And we pray, Lord, that we would come back to you as a nation, because we know that you have told us that any nation that falls to its knees and humbles itself before the Lord will be greatly blessed. God, we just love you. We thank you. And we pray all of this in your holy name. I pray that your word would be spoken here tonight. Don't let rock star Bo or comedian Bo come out. Lord, just let your word come out tonight. We love you and we thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen. So if you do want to join us tonight in scripture, I read from the NLT. I know it's a little different from the, the New King James, um, but it's kind of nice sometimes when we do Bible studies, or not sometimes, all the time when we do Bible studies, we like to read the different translations because sometimes you pick up different things, right? And so we are going to be reading from First uh, Samuel, chapter 17, we're going to pick up at verse 32. This is a familiar, this is a familiar story to everybody, um, but I want to kind of personalize it a little bit tonight, but we're going to start with the scripture because that's where it all begins, right? That's where it all begins, right? <laughs> Thank you. So, we're picking up at uh, verse 32 where David is now saying to Saul, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. 
Saul replies, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's a man, been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped, on the, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and he picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his, spear, with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you would come, to me with, come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, God, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine, and with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. You know, this is a familiar story, right? We've all heard this story, and, and it's a good story, because... David is not fighting for his, himself, right? He's not fighting for glory for himself. He's fighting for the Lord. He was truly, genuinely insulted that this Philistine would come out day after day after day and repeatedly blaspheme God, right? And this is what upset David the most. And this is what should upset us the most. It's not that there's some political leader that's doing something different that we don't like. But when we see leaders or when we see people who are blaspheming the Lord and twisting the Lord's word for their own twisted purpose, that should upset us. That is righteous anger. That's the kind of anger that Jesus had when he was doing his ministry. He didn't get angry because somebody looked at him the wrong way or because they bumped him in the market or because the strap broke on his sandal. 
He was angry with people who were taking God's word and twisting it for their own sick purposes. And David took great offense to this. And that's the thing that I love about David. When they say that David was a man after God's own heart, the reason that they say that is because David had a relationship with God where he was so offended when somebody would upset, when somebody would blaspheme God, it was like somebody insulted my wife. Probably even deeper. How would you feel if somebody was constantly blaspheming the Lord in front of you? I know me, I, ha I can't even watch the news anymore because I see this going on day after day after day. And so when I get angry, I don't want my anger to be because it's something that, that, that upset me. I want, I, I want to feel that righteous anger that David feels. And I want that anger to move me to do something, right? We can get angry, but if all we do is get angry and we don't do anything about it for the Lord's sake, then what good is getting angry? If David would have just sat on top of a hill going, man, I know that guy's out there you know, blaspheming my God, and he's out there threatening my father's army and blah, 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 and didn't do anything, what do you think would have happened? It's up to us. So this, this sermon is titled, Be a Slinger, because we all have a purpose in God's kingdom, don't we? It doesn't matter where you come from or where you've been or what you've done in this life. What matters is what you do with it from this point forward. And so David, what, did, what was David doing bef like literally hours before he went and killed Goliath? You guys remember? He was out in a field tending a flock. That's what he was doing. David was right? The youngest of all of his siblings. He was the smallest of all of his siblings. He came from one of the smallest families of the tribe and came from one of the smallest tribes of all of Israel, right? He was meaningless in the eyes of everybody else. The giant sneered at him and snarled and scoffed at him as soon as he came out. What gave David so much courage? His faith in the Lord. That's what we read. And that's why I kind of emphasize this as we were reading. And we go back to verse 36. He has defied the armies of the living God. That's what got David so upset. That's what David wanted to stamp out. And so the other part of this story that I love is that how many times have those of you been called to do something that, that's not natural to you? How easy is it to do that? You know, if, honestly, I'm not one of those guys that's going to wear a suit and a tie to come up and preach. If somebody made me come up and wear a suit to tie and tie to preach, I'd be conscious about the suit and tie, and I'd be uncomfortable, and I wouldn't be able to do what the Lord wants me to do, which is just deliver his word, Right? If I'm at a job where I'm trying to be something that I'm not, I'm trying to do something that I really have no skills or talent or business doing, I'm probably not going to be real successful at it, am I? How do we know, though, what God has called us to do? How do we know? How do you develop that knowledge that God has got a purpose for you and seek that out and learn to grow that? It's through relationship with God. David was a man after God's own heart because he was in a relationship with God. He went to God constantly. And we read the Psalms. David is just going to God with good, bad, indifferent, everything. 
And when he messed up, the one time he tried to, like, hide it from God, the one time that he tried to not, like, you know, come clean, what did God do? He sent a prophet, said, you, I know what you did. And then David immediately confessed. And then David went to God. He didn't go to the people first to ask for forgiveness, did he? He went to God to ask for forgiveness first. Look, I don't care if you are 17 or 7 or 77 or 87. God has a purpose for you. Have you been seeking that out in your life? Because it's never too late to seek that out. You know, there are some people who, you know, God bless them, they feel it from the very beginning, and they really do work towards becoming what they feel like God has called them to do. Have you guys ever heard somebody say to you that God had a plan for you since before the day you were born? I heard that when I was seven years old. Let me tell you, that was not what I wanted to hear when I was seven years old, because what I was was a... I wasn't really, I didn't really have red hair, but everybody said I had red hair. <laughs> Back when I had hair, I had auburn hair, but I had freckles. I had, you know, I was hyperactive. I didn't have a great relationship with my family. I didn't have a whole lot of friends. I wasn't doing well in school. I was actually kind of a miserable kid, you know? And here I go to Sunday school, and I have this Sunday school teacher tell me one part of the story that God has had a plan for you since the, before the day you were born. And I went, this is my plan? And I'll tell you, I was not very happy with God that day. I was not very pleased that I didn't get to have blonde hair and blue eyes and do well in school and have lots of friends and come from a rich family and all of those things because my life was anything but that. And I was so scared and timid inside and I was so afraid of what my life was going to look like because up to that point it did not look very good and I wasn't happy with it because I didn't have the relationship with God that I have today and if you look at David he was, what was he? He was a shepherd. He was the smallest kid. The shepherd was not like the greatest thing in the world to be doing that. It's kind of still, I mean, it's a little better now than it used to be. But back then, being a shepherd was really no thing to be bragging about. But David, because he felt like that's where God had called him, he was proud of it, wasn't he? He was proud of what the Lord allowed him to do, even if all he was doing was defending his sheep. And so David grew in that relationship with God because he was content with what God had had him do. Now, obviously, God had bigger plans for David, didn't he? David could have been like me, and he could have moped around and been like, well, my plan stinks. You know, I'm stinking sheep, and I got to go fight these bears and lions. And, you know, why can't I be like, you know, hanging out over there in the castle and having nice meals and stuff? He didn't do that. And I think so many times we feel sorry for ourselves, don't we? Because things aren't quite the way we'd like them to be. And I'll tell you, that half, learning half of the story and not having that relationship with God really took me down a very, very dark path. 
a very dark path. I started drinking and using drugs and alcohol at a very, very early age. And by the time I was 17, I was literally hanging on by a thread. I had made a decision at like 15 that I was just going to drink and, and use myself to death because my plan stunk. I used a different word than that, but I won't use it from the pulpit. My plan stunk. And it wasn't until God humbled me gave me an opportunity to experience death like real death and then gave me a second chance and how many of you have ever had second chances third chances, fourth chances 15th chances, 20th chances isn't God wonderful that he will give us chance after chance after chance after chance after chance if we just don't give up that's what a slinger is. A slinger is going to face giants. And whether they're giants of pain and emotion in our lives, whether they're giants of abuse, whether they're giants of neglect, whether they're giants of drug and alcohol addiction or any other kind of addiction, we can face those giants if we face them with the Lord's strength behind us. And that's what I love so much about David. He didn't allow his size or his family or his calling in life, his lot in life at that time, keep him from fulfilling his destiny, keep him from fulfilling what God had called him to do. Be a slinger. If you don't know what God's called you to do, you know, there's so much stuff here, but I don't want to keep you guys here longer. I'll talk all night long about this. I love this because it's important. But if you don't know what God has called you to do, I would invite you tonight to start seeking it. I would invite you tonight to start to, when, you, when we close tonight, before you come up and get communion tonight, to ask the Lord to reveal to you, to open up your heart, to open up your eyes and see what God is calling you to be. I did not want to be a pastor. There's people here who have heard this many times. I fought it, and I fought it, and I fought it. When I finally gave into it, they said, we want you to take over youth ministry. I said, oh, no. No, 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 no. How about you just do junior high? Uh, big no on that one. No. I didn't like junior high when I was in junior high. I don't want to hang out with junior high kids now when I'm an adult, and I don't have to hang out with them. I flat out refused. And yet... At my very first ministry opportunity, what's the thing that God put on my heart? Going out and reaching out to youth. And then when that ministry opportunity ended, the next ministry opportunity was being an executive director at a Bible camp. Guess who I had to work with? Youth. Junior high kids, grade school kids, high school kids. And we loved it. We loved working with the youth. We didn't like working with the board, but we liked working with the youth. If we liked working with the board, we'd still be up there. It's beautiful in northwestern Montana. It's gorgeous. We loved it. And when we came back, youth ministry was the furthest thing from my mind. I didn't want to get involved with youth ministry. But when I saw how powerful God can work in the lives of kids who were able to have somebody share God with them, how can I say no? How can I refuse I've never refused 
any leading that the Lord has given me, well, except for that first five years, you know. <laughs> you could, some would say I was like Jonah, you know. I mean, I had to go through a lot of misery before I finally gave in, you know. And it hasn't been the smoothest, easiest, easiest path. Ministry has, has really definitely posed some challenges for us, but we haven't given up. And that, I'm nothing special. Man, I wanted to give up. I, I was one of those people who, I fought depression my whole life. And ministry and the, the things that we went through certainly didn't help that at all. But I kept seeking the Lord, and I kept going back to him, and I kept asking him for strength. And you know what he did? He gave it to me. He allowed me to overcome, not by my own means, but by his means. Self-doubt is the biggest tool of the devil that he uses to control us, that he uses to keep us down, that he uses to keep us from allowing our light that God planted in our hearts to shine. Stop it. Tell Satan to shut up and leave you alone. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I am a child of God, and I am going to live my life for him and no one else. It takes that conviction. It takes that courage. You have to have that slinger mentality that no matter how big that giant is in front of me, I'm going to face it with God because I have him behind me. And he's going to go in front of me when I need him to go in front of me. I don't have to fear. There's so many people who have, who have answered God's call and they've done wonderful things and so many of them met untimely deaths, right? Surely the prophets did not face very, how many prophets really like, you know, ended their lives in bed, surrounded by their family and, you know, you, you know wonderful jazz, soft jazz music playing in the background and stuff. It, it wasn't like that for many of them. But you know what? God had their souls. And when God calls me home, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go because I know where I get to be. Paul said, you know, I struggle with because if I, if I die, I get to go be with my father in heaven. But if I die, I don't get to continue to stay here and serve him. I know I just brutalized that, but it's <laughs> basically what he says. Thanks. Appreciate that. I, I, I don't know what kind of youth ministry this is going to turn out to be. But I know that if I allow God to do his work through this community and through all of you and through these kids and through all the youth dynamics workers, Kelly, Linda, Holly, Garrett, there's so many wonderful people that are involved with, with, with this ministry. I just know that as long as we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we'll be blessed. And, and I really know that there's going to be some kids who get touched. There's going to be some kids who get to come to know Christ who wouldn't have that opportunity. Some kids who are out there right now by themselves alone with nobody. And if that doesn't break your heart to know that there's kids out there alone with nobody feeling completely empty and alone, you need to, you need to pray. You need to ask that God will soften your heart. And if you feel like you have anything to contribute to this ministry, we want you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how little or how much you have. We want you to be a part of this because we want you to be a part of the kingdom. Can I get an amen?